of phantoms and monsters. They exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to Fans of Monsters Radio where we talk about, about a little bit about everything actually, but uh, but mostly cryptids, unexplained sightings and encounters. And um, tonight we're going to be talking about the Chicago Lake Michigan Mothman winged humanoid phenomena. Uh, but before we start, um, the Fans of Monsters Radio channel is made possible by you clicking the subscribe button. And by sharing the program, super chat, super thank donations are appreciated. Buy me a coffee link in, is available. So, uh, and tonight, uh, if you do have questions, please type them in caps. Bernadette will be in the background. She'll be she'll be marking the questions for us to answer. So uh, we'll go from there. So tonight, I have. Tobias Whalen joining me as well as Manuel Navarrete. And we're going to start right off trying to catch up on what we we haven't talked about in the past six months. We we last time we were together on here was in November. And we've had nine different reports since then. So I do want to so I'll go ahead and, and put up here the first one. That we have had, that we missed. Oh yeah, this is this, and this was this was sent to Manuel. This was the um, the little village woman and her father who had left the grocery store over um, over on Thirty Second Street. So, Manuel, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I mean that happened in the little village neighborhood, and. Um, if you are from there, you, you know, it's a very Hispanic area. It's the largest Hispanic area in the, in the entire city. Um, it's also known as La Bellita, which is Little Village. Um, the one thing is, it's the neighborhoods are, the residential neighborhoods are like, you'll go like two blocks of residential. And on the corner, you'll have like a little, what they call a tiendita, bodega. You know, little grocery stores, basically, that dot the entire area. So this lady uh, and her uh, father, who was like 81 years old, were leaving the store. They were had gone to go get a couple of things um, for the house. And across the street, there was a um, a house that had a kind of a wrought iron fence that had uh, the post, the concrete post in between. And on top of one of that was the uh, this creature. And as a winged humanoid. But it wasn't as big as some of the other ones. This one was, she said, maybe about four foot tall, had a very long tail and very large wings. Um, and 
it immediately just locked eyes with them, was watching them. Um, the one interesting thing that, that I picked off right off the bat was right in front of where this thing was sitting on top of one of these pillars was a street light. Um, normally, this whole area would be illuminated with that street light, but this thing seemed to be absorbing light. It was, you could still tell the outline. It had a long tail. It had a, like a little pointed tail. Um, and she kept saying that it was um, swishing it around, kind of like she she likened it to her cat when her cat's interested in something. So mm-hmm. it kept moving the tail from side to side and kind of just like slowly kind of opening and closing its wings. Um, she immediately started feeling, you know, really scared, you know, um, you know, her dad saw it and, you know, the. And they really, she was really worried about her dad. Her dad being as old as he was, I mean, he's not going to be able to, you know, run if this thing decided to go after them. Um, so they slowly made their way to the car. And she says that when she clicked the alarm to turn it off, it chirped. That's when this thing took off into the air and was hovering right there. Um, mind you, this whole time, it was watching them the whole time they was across the street. It just, and the more they moved, the more its tail just kept swishing around. Um, kind of like it was really, really just curious. Um, when this thing chirped, this thing took off into the air, was hovering in place. And she and her dad got in as fast as they possibly could. And this thing circled around them and then just took off. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. She described it uh, when I spoke with her. She... Um, she described it like about four foot tall. She says it was it was small. I kept asking her, you know, was this about seven foot tall? And the normal parameters for m- most of these sightings, especially out at the airport, you know, seven foot tall, large wingspan. She says the wingspan was maybe, you know, four to five feet. She, she estimates from tip to tip. Um, the tail was as long as it was tall. Um, and its eyes were... You know, glowing red eyes. But she says that the one thing was that no matter how much light it was in, this thing kept just, it was absorbing the light. It was kept in darkness. It's still very defined, but still very much um, not reflecting any light. Um, They went home and her mom, they told her mom, their mom was, you know, immediately saying, it's una bruja, una lechuza. A lechuza's, um, in the Hispanic culture, is a creature that a witch that can change into a, a winged being, an owl, an eagle of any kind. Um, she did a blessing on them, um, ran an egg over them for you know malte ojo, um, which is evil eye, which is all basic you know curandera fair. Uh, you know a lot of Hispanic families grow up in a in a huge mixture of bruja, brujeria, and uh, curandera. So, and when she would not let them out of the house for the rest of the night, um, when I talked to the dad, you know, he did not, he adamantly told her, I did not want to speak to him. I do not want to, you know, invoke this thing back again. Um, she spoke with me. Her English was not the greatest, but I can translate into Spanish. Um, so yeah, pretty interesting, pretty, pretty interesting story. Uh, very close range sighting. And again, just another sighting happening in, in and around the, the, uh, Hispanic area of Little Village. 
Yeah, this is what gets me. Now, that's that was the 10th sighting that we had in Little Village. Mm-hmm. And we had an 11th sighting later on that we'll talk about. Uh, Tobias, the size, have we had any that size before? Oh, uh, yeah, right around that, that foot mark. In terms of reports, um, you know, there have been um, descriptions that were on the, the smaller side. Um, they're not, uh, it's certainly not as common. I'm reminded of the report, and I wish I could remember where it was exactly. But I believe the witness uh, described the thing as um, either similar to flying squirrel, or maybe the thing was hunting squirrel. I, you, you might remember that better than me, because yeah, I, I think I think that, that was the one up in the tree, wasn't it? Uh, and and that was that was all, yeah. you know, maybe, what three, four, five, you know, and then I uh, had a in northern Wisconsin, uh, they, right. uh, a winged being that was in description to the general uh, qualities that we've with reports. But uh, in terms of, of size, it was, I mean, it was very tall. You know, we're, we're talking like six inches tall or something. And so and that was strange. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly an outlier. In, in terms of data, looking at just raw repo, that is that is unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, the the next series of sightings that we had were out at the airport, and these were um these were from the firefighters. Now, I think we had three different reports from you, um, Manuel. Mm-hmm. So why don't you just start in the beginning and, and tell us what was the nexus of all that and what did you hear beyond it? Well, I mean, the first sighting was the one that happened at the, um, I believe it was station two that mm-hmm. is right there by terminal, uh, terminal three. Um, they were coming, the, the one firefighter was on in the middle of a shift. Um, and he, he says every time he's on shift, he brings his laptop cause he's, he's in the middle of a series that he was watching. So he would, you know, stream, you know, when they had downtime. So he was setting up his stuff in the common area. And he says that um, the um, he forgot his, his charging cable. So he ran out to his truck. And he said he kept hearing like a chirping, like a real distinct chirping. Mind you, it's, you know, maybe in the 30s outside, you know. So um, he found it really strange. And he kept getting the speeding like, this was like he kept hearing like shuffling and like the feeling that he was being watched. Um, so where the firefighting where the fire station is across the street, there's a big uh plant that's the HVAC plant uh, for mm-hmm. the entire airport. Um, across the street, there on top of the building was this um seven foot tall winged being with red eyes looking down at him. And it kept making this chirping, clicking sound as it watched him. Um, you know, Evan took off and disappeared. Um, what was very interesting is he ran inside and he was telling everybody that was there, everybody that was in the common area. And 
for the next, he says, to his surprise, for the next two hours, that's all they talked about. Some of these older firefighters that say, yeah, this thing's around. He likes to scare the living hell out of people. It's never really been known to be aggressive of any kind, but it's, it loves to scare the living daylights out of people um, by appearing, watching over them, and then taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and this was about, I want to say about 11 o'clock at night that this happened. Um, the second one was the uh, same station, same uh, same firehouse. I believe that they were, it was, this one was around, I want to say about midnight. Or so it was a late it was a late night, but they were coming from fueling up the, the engines. So to get to fuel up the engines, they have to go to a separate part of the airport where the uh, pumps are. So when they leave, much like you see here in Chicago, when one leaves, all of them leave. Uh, mm-hmm. Just in case there's a there's a call, they're all right there. So they were coming back to the station from fueling up, and as they turned the corner to go toward the station. Um, they saw this thing. It was on the ground, looking at them, um, crossed the street in front of them again, scared the bejesus out of everybody in the in the uh, in the engine. Evan just took off on them. Um, you know, everybody that talked about that one was same thing. You know, we've seen it around, we've heard about it. People call it the Batman, you know, of O'Hare. You know, the it's known as the Mothman, the the Phantom, the, a lot of the people, the bargain hunters called it the Batman of O'Hare. Um, but it loves to do this one thing that scared the living hell out of people. Um, and then the third one was, I believe, Station 3, which is more located centrally inside the airport itself. Um, and this was on 4th of July weekend, I believe. No, no, this was New Year's. I'm sorry. They were watching fireworks. Um I'm sorry, I don't know why it's up with a joy, but um, this was about um, New Year's, and they were watching a fireworks display. So they were all outside, and this thing flew over them. Um, the entire house saw it. Um, circled around them a couple of times, and then just disappeared into the night. Um, and, you know, they were all like, yeah... At first, I was, like, asking, you know, was this surprise or anybody in shock? Like, some of the newer people were in shock, but the, for the most part, the um, the older crowd, the older people, you know, they knew. They've heard it. They've seen it. They've, they've dealt with it a couple of times. So, um, that's pretty much all three of those sightings right there. But these mm-hmm. are, you know, Chicago Fire Department firefighters. They're assigned to the airport. Uh, I believe there are four station houses around the airport. Uh all of them are very specialized units uh, designed for uh, fighting at fires at the airport. So, yeah, these guys, multiple, most of them have had um, have had you know multi years of experience within the CFD, um, and it was just really weird to see to see these kinds of people. These people are not only first responders, but you would put in ufology want to say they're trained observers you know, seasoned observers. So they're used to kind of seeing, you know, they're they're used to seeing something, gathering information and being able to give it back to you, you know, with exacting detail. And they were able to get some really good details about this thing um, in the sightings that they had. Yeah, this the uh, Station 2 and Station 3 are pretty close to each other. Um, station... 
three is just north of station two, but I think mm -hmm. there are four of them all together. Uh, let me ask a question here. Karen Peterson asked, um, well, what time of day are most of the sightings? Um, you guys want to answer that? I mean, you know, I, I, I guess we first thought in the beginning, most of the sightings were at nighttime, but it didn't turn out that way. We're getting daytime sightings too. Oh How yeah. About well, it's, uh, it's as on a category of uh, the particular witness report falls under. Um, you know, a, a lot of times sightings lack the uh, seemingly paranormal qualities that you would normally with um, a, a Mothman thing. And so there's good evidence that, uh, that many, if not all, but at least many probably, of the daytime sightings could reasonably explained, um, you know, prosaically. Like they probably have mundane uh, behind them, being that misidentified birds or 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 similar. And so, of the uh, report of the hospital to to be parallel, uh, those certainly. Uh, common at at uh, nighttime but you've, you've really got to uh, examine each sighting on merits and, and then sort of uh, try to um, uh, take you know your your conclusions from that rather than trying to make of, of all of that as a, a whole because if you do that uh, the whole thing it's just it's not much sense uh, Tobias, I'm gonna have you. Um, I'm gonna have you log out and and come back in, and I'll put you back because you're really breaking up on us. So, uh, oh, okay. you can do that. I appreciate it. So uh, the next sighting we had was up in Waukegan, and this was sent to me. Uh, it was a family of six who had seen a black flying humanoid above them near Lake Michigan Lakefront. And this, now, this was an older site, and this was August of 2020 in Waukegan, Illinois. Uh, and actually, we had another sighting there previous to that, very close to the same location. But they were telling me that, um, and that was over at Bowen Park. I think you had talked about that was a skateboard thing, uh, Manuel. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's yeah, that the was. That, yeah, that was the yeah, one that the, we had seen it at the in and around that air, at uh, skateboard park. Right. Okay, I got Tobias is back in. Um. Yeah. So anyway, what they told me, um, you know, I talked to the witness to get more information about the sighting. And she described it as six to seven foot long human-like being with a small head. There were no visible wings on this thing. But there was detail to the body, even though it was solid black in color. And a witness could make out the body contour. Uh, it was a well-defined chest with... 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Pectoral muscles, as it flew over them, the speed was not constant as it would occasionally hover. And uh, it did seem to be a living being because the, the legs and arms would change position. Now, the location was about 500 foot from the lakefront on Market Street, just south of Waukegan Harbor. Clear, sunny day, about 2 in the afternoon. Uh, six witnesses, and each one of them described the same thing. So uh, I did talk to the mother, and I talked to another member of the family, and... Uh, I don't know what the hell they saw. You know, the, the fact that they didn't see any uh, wing or any any wings or anything outstretched. You, you know, we've had a we've had a few sightings that seem very supernatural. Uh, it just didn't make sense. Maybe this was another one of those. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, kind of gives off some vibes. Um, you know, have you ever seen some of the flying? Um, humanoid sightings that they've had out of Mexico. Uh, what they've described as a witch or something. Right. Um, or even the ones that look like the man who, um, or the extraterrestrial that's like on like a jet pack of some kind. Uh, yeah. Come out of Mexico. And some of them have had some really good details. I mean, I remember a sighting scene where the, the guy saw the creature turn and look right at him, the extraterrestrial. And um, it had like a, a menacing look on its face, like it didn't want to be. Um, it didn't want to be uh, filmed. Um, I mean, it's also the one, the classic one, where they, they said it's a witch on a broom. But whatever it was, it was a solid mass, and it was pretty, you know, pretty impressive to see that it was flying um, several hundred feet off the ground. So maybe that's what it was. Um, you know, I don't think it could be anything like the, the Los Angeles jetpack, man. I mean, no, I don't think that either. <laughs> I don't think that's the, yeah, that whole thing is, I, I, yeah. Have they ever found anybody responsible for that? Do either one of you guys know? I, no, it's not as far as I am aware. Um, I think the, like, popularly, it's it being explained. As potentially a, a balloon or something similar, but as far as I know, um, it's, it's just unexplained still. Yeah, and I, I think kind of think yeah, you know whoever it is is keeping a low profile because that person's going to jail. Oh yeah, um, they're going to jail. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I got another question here from Karen Peterson. Can people hear the wings or are they silent? Uh, occasionally, somebody will say they hear the flapping of the wings. Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, people are seeing them hover a lot of times. Uh, so, uh, you know, we get, we get both. I mean, sometimes they hear the wings, sometimes they don't. So, um, 
Now, George Morgan asks, and this is a good question, what is the significance of the red eyes with Mothman, Hatman, and other cryptids? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Oh, no. In terms of, of significance, like word in particular um, is 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 difficult uh, because that requires us to start to guess at things like uh, I think traditionally uh, history, you can see eyes being applied to monster you know in, in fiction and and as we're seeing in um, reported nonfiction, and uh, and and it's always associated with um, uh, evil or or something that is a threat to humanity. And so, I guess speculatively, you would have to then consider whether or not the uh, well, actually there a a third option are uh, animals that naturally have red like that it's it's not super common but it definitely does happen um a good example uh just in the the chicago area would be the black crowned night heron they have mm -hmm. rays that that will give you red eye shine and so that is possibly uh, one one explanation but i think if you're again considering the the uh most likely to be paranormal um you more or less uh to discard um, a lot of the nation the around potential um, biological qualities uh, that that pretty quick apart. I mean, nothing about these sightings really in, in terms of how we understand biology. Um, but uh, to go back to my original point, I think that you have to consider, um, you know, speculatively uh, what. Um, Future, you know, might gain out of having these these glowing red eyes. So, whether or not that's a, a reflection of our own fears, you know, uh, something uh, being picked up on by by this reflected still fear or something, um, or uh, maybe it's, it's some sort of you know natural defense that sort of feeds off of the cultural fear or, or something um but and all you can really do is speculate about it because the the overall significance of of something like that is just for anybody you know i mean we could we could really guess and i do i do have to agree with tobias on that i mean biologically i don't think very many creatures have any kind of glowing eyes, even bioluminescent, because it would be in detrimental, you know, to giving away somebody's position, you know. Sure. Um, it could be something like, um, like, if, you know, the heron. I've seen those things, you know, here in the Chicago area. And if you don't know what you're looking at, and this thing will scare the living daylight. So they're not small animals. They're fairly large animals. Um and then also same thing kind of like with cats, you know, cats have that eye shine, you know, that if you get, because their, their eyes are designed to gather light and reflect it back out. Um, I've also kind of thought maybe what if it is like, um, 
like an extraterrestrial being of some kind that's maybe using some kind of technology. Uh, we have something similar to that in night vision goggles mm-hmm. um, that might be, you know, giving off some kind of reflection to somebody else. But biologically, I don't think you're going to, you know, very many creatures are going to have, you know, glowing red eyes. Uh, if any, that I've even known because it's a detriment to their safety. Um, you know, bioluminescence is used to maybe attract prey, but not, you know, give away your position to your other, to anything else that might be predating on you. Yeah, um, it, it seems like it would be a, a characteristic of an actual predator as opposed to the prey or something that's trying to keep itself hidden away from the predator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> let it know you're out there because you've got these flash, you know, these red glowing or illuminating eyes. Um, I, I mean, I still believe there's a supernatural reason for it, but yeah, and you're right. These blue heron, you know, we've had we had the great blue heron down on the bay, and those things are huge. They're they're magnificently huge, and uh, yeah. So I I. I I, I don't see where actually where you'd see one of them, you'd ha- be able to mistake it. But then again, you know, people see different things. It's different ways. It's all about perception, I guess. Well, we have right. here, we have a lot of animals. I mean, I showed you guys, I sent you guys a video or a photo. Was it a couple of weeks ago? I believe of uh, somebody thought they had seen a great uh, humanoid uh, flying humanoid turned out to be a Turkey vulture. Mm-hmm. Um, this thing was huge. Um, yeah. They're big. You know, I've seen great. I've seen bald eagles in Wisconsin. They're they're not lying when they say these things are massive. When as far as their wingspans and everything, so um, I would think that maybe under the right conditions, those things can be seen as some kind of flying humanoid. But I've never seen anything with any kind of glowing red eyes that would you know, other than maybe like you know demonic or evil is kind of like what Tobias was talking about. Yeah. Right. So um, if, you know, if you are go ahead, um, Tobias. Oh right. I was I was gonna add um also biologically now obviously eye shine is one thing. The eyes aren't uh in in that instance they're just reflecting light back. Uh if you can rule out uh it should be well, it would be a huge detriment to have actively blind because that's just how eyes work. Um, if if you had eyes creating, you'd be able to see is is light. You wouldn't be able to see anything else, and, and you'd basically be blind. And so it, it doesn't make sense for that uh, by a lot of reasons. Well, what's interesting though is man Paul mentioned uh, something like uh, goggles or something. Something. Recall a, a report I took from a, a retired policeman in Chicago um, by the name of David Ramos. And uh, so he was something of a 15 year vet of the, the Chicago Police Department. And um, he told me about this son. He was a relatively young he was 12 years old in, uh, in Chicago. And uh, he was hanging out at the, uh, the North Branch of the chamber there. And, um, he was alone on the path. Friends were around uh, down by the uh, the river. He saw this thing, and you know, I I'll, I'll cut to the chase here. Basically, he saw it, he thought that it was wearing goggles because it had these these big round red eyes, 
you know, of course, the first that occurs to him isn't that these are natural laws because that should be impossible. The first thing that occurred to him was that it would be somebody, you know, wearing wearing goggles. And so um, we have to, to consider that as a, as a, a serious uh, possibility, you know, at least included in, in, in the actual uh, when we're, we're speculating about this. Mm. Okay. Uh, so the next sighting we had was uh, was a gentleman from Wayne, Illinois. He said he had an encounter with a winged humanoid while traveling near his home. He was, at, he was actually right down the street. He, he um, was on his way home. And this humanoid flew in front of his vehicle without use of its wings. Uh, I did talk to this gentleman. He said it occurred back in mid-September 2022 at the intersection of Smith Road and Mountain Ash Drive in Wayne, Illinois. It was approximately 10 p.m. local time. And, uh, And he said a passenger was traveling south. Oh, he had a passenger, and it was traveling south on uh, Mountain Ash Drive. And when he reached the intersection with Smith Road, he states that this six-and-a-seven-foot-long black human-like figure swiftly swooped in front of the vehicle about ten foot in front of the car. The wings and the arms were tucked against the body, and it quickly glided from east to west very close to the road. In fact, it was so close to the road that the headlights illuminated the winged humanoid. He said the encounter was so fast that he uh, couldn't make any facial features, but the body and head were very human-like. He said he had been previously aware of the phenomenon in the Chicagoland area, and that's how he found me. Uh, Now, this sighting was fairly close to another sighting we had in Carroll Stream, Illinois, in 2020. And, uh, you know, he seemed like, you know, he seemed like he really did see something. I mean, you know, you know how it is, guys. You know, when you talk to these people, you can tell if they're trying to, you know, try to pull the wool over your eyes. But uh, I think that this was a brief sighting, but it was an interesting. I mean, it's you know, it's just another one of these these things that you know are seen that people can't explain, very humanoid-like. But you know, they're not. You know, they're gliding. They're quick. They're dark in color. And have a lot of human-like features to them. Um, Marla Snyder has a question. Do you think there are numerous variations and species of these things? Or do you think it's more about what people remember seeing? Oh, that's very interesting. I mean, honestly, there can be, obviously, there would have to be numerous variations species i mean we've seen so many different types since we've started this journey together i mean Mm -hmm. we've seen the short ones small ones tall ones we've seen crested ones um the ones that um are said to look like um you know like bats some of them look like pterodactyls some look like owls you know um I would think, yeah, there's there's no reason, rhyme or reason that why there should not be more than one, you know, different kind of variation or species that we're talking about. 
let's see. We've got another one, another question from Summer Nights and Neon Lights. Wonder how many people have seen it and not said or reported to anyone out of fear of ridicule. Oh, I'm quite sure there's a lot of uh we're at 161 sightings that we feel may be credible. Um I don't know what percentage that we have gotten, but I, I'd say it's a the percentage that we have received is a very small is actually a very small percentage of the actual sightings. Wouldn't you guys agree to that? Well, sure. Um the most common narratives hear from witnesses is that um they'll have the impossible sighting you know this thing that they just can't explain and um and being a social species they'll want to go and and talk to about it. they they want to have a release if nothing else of of telling story and having it be believed to a loved one it could be a spouse or a, a or a sibling or, or something similar, and they tell them about their experience. And, and the number one question that they, they get is, is be left at. And, um, and, and, and they don't want to talk about it after that and, until they find, you know, somebody um, like us, presumably, that will, will take them seriously. And uh, to consider after talking to so many witnesses and hearing the, the same thing over and over again about didn't know that he was taking care of anybody else had seen her to um, You have to think how many people find someone to share their experience with. You people still out there uh, just thinking that no one believed them. Nobody's seen anything like this, and uh, and so they just sit on these these stories, you know, probably in, in, until they pass away. Um, you yeah. know, now in, in we're in this part of the Mothman. They may have heard stories. Most people, uh, I hesitate to to use the word normal, but I it probably applies here. You know, uh, most normal people know what any of that stuff is they don't hear about it like if i were to ask my parents the only reason that they would have ever heard about it is because they have me for a, a, a son but otherwise you know like if they saw a wing hood, they wouldn't have any idea that anybody else anywhere had ever seen anything they was that that nobody had and i think that that's probably a lot of people um and so you know we yeah we are missing out on lots of, of sightings because people just just don't know where or whom is yeah you know tobias i'm gonna ask you again can you actually reboot your computer i i think we got a connection issue on your side could you try that for oh, me please okay. yeah sure okay mm -hmm. so the next sighting was the the most recent little village sighting over little village plaza that was reported to you um manuel can you uh tell us about that oh yeah that's uh the one with the skateboarders uh, right yeah this was a group of friends who were um the little plaza is kind of like right behind the arches. Uh, if you ever go to a little village in uh, Chicago, you're going to see these beautiful arches that 
are like at the entrance of the of the little village. Um, but right before them, a block before, there's a little there's a plaza there. Um, just think of a massive parking lot with about five stores. Um, cross streets, the you know the world famous uh, El Milagro um, uh, tortilla factory, and then there's a bake there's a Spanish uh, bakery that I know very well because um, the food is amazing there. Uh, my wife and me go there quite a lot. Then there's some restaurants, and then on taking up the one side of the uh, the far side of the uh, parking lot is a massive uh, flea market that's been there. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, about seventy five years. Um, and it's actually about to get torn down here pretty soon, sadly. Um, but, um, these kids would use the alley. They lived in the neighborhood, so they would just use this paved alley that was there and and to lead into that uh, parking lot for skateboarding. They would just, you know, sit there, you know, you know, having a good time with their friends, you know, doing tricks and everything. Um, kind of like what skateboarders tend to do so they were out one night and um doing tricks and just talking hanging out and uh one of them saw something across the street on top of the flea market um and it looked like a really tall man just sitting there watching them they noticed the glowing red eyes and um it made them really really uneasy so they tried to ignore it. They they kept doing their things, but they would not go away. Finally, this thing took to the air and flew right over the top of them, uh, and did not break contact with you know eye contact with them. Um, and they saw that it was winged. It was a winged humanoid. You know, you know, humanoid like body, seven feet tall. Uh, wing. They said the wingspan, I believe, was about twenty feet tip to tip. Is what they're estimating. Um, now they immediately thought, you know, Lechusa, um, and they took off running. Um, they, they bolted for one of their houses, all of them come flying into the house. And, um, this thing, um, they were, they were certain this thing was following them. Um, so, um, they all piled into somebody's house and stayed there. And um, they were even talking about that it could have been one of the guys' uh, ex-girlfriend. He had just broken up with an ex-girlfriend. And that she had um, summoned a lechusa to go after him <laughs> as, you know, for vengeance. But, yeah, mm-hmm. very, 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 very interesting sighting. Very, you know, multiple witnesses, about five of them in, t- in total. Um, so that they had seen it. I got to talk to, like, I believe three of them, the other two did not want, including the one who had broken up with the girlfriend, did not want to talk at all. Mm. Um, and that's something that's prevalent in the Hispanic society. They, the belief that if you talk about it, or you that you'll you'll sum it back up, that you it'll know that you're talking about it, and it'll come back after you. Um, and also, like I said, the lechuza is another thing that's very prevalent um, that it could be summoned by somebody who using witchcraft to um to go seek vengeance against somebody who wronged you or slighted you or broke your heart i guess i mean you know the the thing that impressed me about this sighting was you know you you gave a pretty good description about where they were Mm -hmm. uh right behind the restaurant right there 
at the edge of the parking lot as opposed to the distance to the mall, I mean, to the flea market, which I estimated from what I measured was like 150 to 200 foot distance. Mm-hmm. And they saw the red eyes at that distance. So this thing must have really been putting it out there so that they, they noticed it at that at that distance. One of the things about the the witnesses, the one witness I did, the very first witness I talked to, kind of said something similar to it, to what you said. They, it's like it wanted to be seen. Mm-hmm. It was forcing them to notice it. Um, so whether it was using magic or brujeria or something like that to make it make itself known or to be seen, it went out of its way to be seen. It went out of its way to go after them, to be seen by them. Um, so yeah, maybe it was. It's got a way to dial up the eyes or dial up the magic, and to be able to, you know, get you to to notice it. You know, it in essence becomes the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. You know, um, which I'm saying, if you're seven feet tall with a twenty foot wingspan and you're sitting in little village in the middle of the night, yeah, you're going to kind of become the gorilla in the room. Uh, Yeah. I mean, this is one thing that has been fascinating to me from the very beginning was that they, they aren't shy. I mean, they seem to be out there for whoever is around to see them. Um, but another, but another caveat to that is a lot of times these seem, you know, these things are showing up in a crowd and only certain people are actually seeing it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's 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 tough to uh, it, it's tough to understand. You know, it's and we got a question uh, that kind of that kind of goes along with that by Dave McGinnis was, uh, what explanation do each of you favor for what this phenomena is? What do you think, Tobias? Um, well, let's let's see if I can get through the entire answer. Uh, by, by, <laughs> causing me to lag so badly that I threw Yeah, it is um, lagging. Is it lagging still? Yeah, a little bit. I checked the internet and everything. It does got a bug connect. A lot, a lot of trouble with whatever reason. Um, okay, so in terms of, uh, of what this thing is, I... Um, I have a particular explanation. I've always been more comfortable in uh, talking about what I'm not rather than what I is. Um, and as we know so little uh, about the actual qualities of this thing or, or thing, uh, whatever they represent, you know, the best we can do is uh, rule out things we have to disprove. So if I've got a particular sighting and, and I'm able to rule out misidentifications and uh, the witness of certain qualities that uh, would basically require some paranormal uh, uh, phenomenon to, to, to be part of this, and you pretty comfortably say, okay, it wasn't a bird, or an airport or hallucination or, or something similar, um, all things being. Uh, but after that, we were left with, now I could start talking about, you know, interdimensional creatures or undiscovered biological species, but um, 
at the end of the day, we don't know enough to make of determinations. Um, so I, I will say that in terms of favoring one or another, I, I don't particularly favor uh, the undiscovered biospecies hypothesis simply because so much of what is described doesn't make sense given our understanding of biology. And so I, I would think that if these do represent of other being, then there must be some paranormal uh, aspect to it. Mm. How are you, Manuel? I have to agree with Tobias. I mean, undiscovered biological entity would be, this would be groundbreaking. I mean, I mean, we have, granted, we have only discovered, I believe, in my belief that we've only discovered a fraction of the creatures that live on this planet, but um, something humanoid and something that can, um, something that can um, fly with that kind of wingspan. I believe me and Tobias and, and, and you, Don, have had this discussion before. A normal-sized human being, you know, let's say 150, 170 pounds, 20-foot wingspan is not going to cut it. Um, mm -mm. Or this, this thing would have to be so jacked, so, so muscular to be able to support those wings and to have the power to fly. Glide, yes, we could see that, but these things have shown power to flight. These things have shown that they can lift, jump basically vertically into the air and take flight. Mm -hmm. um, you're not only defeating laws of physics uh, on multiple levels, but, you know, there's nothing. Yes, we can go into the whole bee can't fly thing, but this is a creature that is a million times more massive than a, than a bee um, flying all over the city of Chicago. And we're talking about defeating things like wind currents, uh, you know, dodging buildings and stuff like that. Um, I would seem to think more interdimensional, maybe even ultra-terrestrial, extraterrestrial. Um, you know, we've already seen that, you know, what the Unseen Ones want to do. Mm -hmm. um, how they, how they, they've been here forever. They've been here since the beginning. Um, I believe Bernadette's one is, uh, is the one that said that they've been here from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, who's to say that they, they're not, you know, riding, they're jumping between dimensions from dimension to dimension. Einstein's proven that dimensions exist, that they call, that, you know, they in importance in time and space, they do cross, they do intersect. Maybe that's what they use. Um, how many reports have we seen of Bigfoots? being pursued and all of a sudden just up and disappearing canines up and disappearing, um, you know, grays or UFOs just up and disappearing in front of you. How do, how do we not know that they can't, um, you know, just summon a, a dimension, maybe even the Fae, you know, if you want to get into supernatural um, creatures, but I don't buy the whole, it's a, it's an undiscovered species, uh, because then that leaves a whole, you know, Bigfoot, canines, um, mermaids, you know, as a possibility. And that just doesn't seem like it's it works. So I'm more inclined to believe the interdimensional, ultra-terrestrial, maybe even extraterrestrial. Yeah. Um, you know, after all, everything we've seen, all the people we've talked to, everything that's been reported to us, and, you know, we've been pondering this. We've been looking for excuses and, and, and rhyme or reason for it. 
since 2011. And uh, honestly, the only thing I can really see definitively, I believe, is that it's it's there's a supernatural aspect to it. And I, I do believe that most cryptids are like that because there always seems to be something involved with most cryptids like Bigfoot, cryptid canines, Mothman, where it's there's just something that's unexplained. Um, are they interdimensional? I, I, I think there's a possibility that they are. Uh, can we prove that now? Not yet. I don't think so. But I, I'm not saying that we won't be able to. I think we will be able to eventually. Maybe you you guys and me, we're not going to do that. Maybe somebody else will have to do that at some point. But, uh, you know, you know, when people ask me this, the only thing I can tell them is I, I do believe that it's definitely a supernatural being of some type. And that's the best I can. That's the best I can say at this point. You know, we've looked at the occult. We've looked at, uh, you know, some type of uh, sentinel being, you know, something that's been summoned. Uh, we've looked at the. Um, we've looked at the uh, uh, particle accelerator thing. But out there, Fermi Labs. We looked at all kinds of different things, and really. I, I don't think we we've come much closer to understanding other than this the, the whole uh unseen one uh incidents that were reported to us about a year and a half ago. Uh I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, we're you know, pe I guess people expect us to have answers to this, but you know, at this point we just don't really have many answers to it. Do you guys agree with that? Yes. Very yeah, definitely. Uh, I like to say that, uh, I mean, and this is true for both kind of crazy people tell you that they have definitive answers for uh, You know, if, if we did, if, if it was known, um, you know, could major at university, you know, there would be a, uh, major scientific studies, um, you know, it, it would be, it would be known if it was knowable. Um, mm -hmm. And so the uh, that that uh, it, it's it's even capable, you know, at at, at the point of being understood on that level is um, it's something of a, a huge stretch. So yeah, I, I, of course, we don't have answers. Anybody who tells you that they <laughs> do have answers, uh, that's a red flag. Don't don't trust that person. Absolutely, yeah. That, I, I I'm in the same boat with you because, you know, occasionally you will get a witness who will or somebody who's not a witness and tell you, well, I know exactly what they are. Well, you know, I'm done talking to that person because they don't know what it is. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I do have another question here from. Well, it's not really a question, it's a statement, which is it's interesting. Uh, Summer nights and neon lights. I'm surprised nobody hasn't taken a pop shot at this thing. It is Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't heard of anybody taking a shot at it yet. Uh, and I'm not advocating somebody do that, but who knows? Maybe somebody has. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I mean, this thing is seen all over the city. Yeah. Um, 
I can speak from, you know, from the, the perspective of uh, the little village and the uh, other sightings in that, those areas that um, no one's going to take a pot shot at it in, <laughs> in little village. Most of us grew up with our grandmothers telling us how these things were and how they worked and how vindictive these, these spirits were um, mm-hmm. drawing attention to yourself and drawing attention to you um, would probably be one of those few things that you don't want to do. It's kind of like watching a bear with your 22 caliber and decided to take a pot shot at the bear. And you yeah. drawing attention to yourself. Um, no time what's going to happen to you. Um, it is Chicago after all. I mean, you hear about it every day of the week, you know, multiple times a day a week. Um, I'm surprised no one has, but even if they do, it's, it's, Again, it's Chicago. It's just another Tuesday night, you know. Yep. Uh, Thomas Carroll asked, uh, could these beings be drawn to areas of well-known tragedies like the Silver Bridge collapse and the Chicago fire? Uh, while maybe not harbingers of doom, but could be could they be drawn to the area for that? I, I guess it's possible. Again, there this is something else we have thought about and um and I don't I don't prescribe to the the harbinger thing, but uh, or theory, uh, but who knows? It may very well. You know, Chicago has a, a very deep paranormal history. A lot of UFO sightings. The, you know, the Upper Midwest is well known for avian cryptids. So I mean, maybe there's just something related to that. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think. The issue with painting that broad brush is sort of the issue that that, uh, arises whenever you do that in the field. Because I'll I'll give you an example. Like you hear a lot of people talking about the relative water to sightings, right? All in the Midwest, water everywhere, everywhere. You you wouldn't have us anywhere in the Midwest relatively near to to somebody of water uh, we're very lucky that way uh, because there is a correlation uh, doesn't in my causation and I, I i think with the idea of uh, winged humanoids and and tragedy um and really we can we can invert that and see why it doesn't early work. You know, think about all of the the tragedies that occur uh, every day. I mean, think of all the the major tragedies that have occurred um, throughout history, um, not involving Wang Chumas for for any particular reason. Uh, and so the idea that um, are particularly uh, attracted to to tragedy doesn't doesn't necessarily hold up under uh, scrutiny. You know, we, we don't have any evidence for it. And uh, beyond that, uh, it doesn't necessarily really make it, it just doesn't really stand on its, its un, un, unfortunately. Um, you know, you could argue probably that a lot of the people involved in this thing had suffered you know, some tragedies. And, um, but who hasn't? And uh, hmm. And again, that in and of itself doesn't really imply any, uh, any causal 
relationship. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I just, I don't think there's really any connection in any way, honestly, uh, between those ideas. Um, I think that more than anything, why that is so persistent is the popularity of uh, Kiel's Mothman prophecies did that idea fifty years ago, and um, it's entrenched in the nation now. When that um, people are just constantly looking, and uh, and unfortunately, I don't think there's anything before. Uh, Tobias froze up on us. Oh, am I serious? I wasn't right now. Yeah, you're all right now. I just, I, but it did freeze there for a bit. Anyway, let me get to these other two sightings, um, other reports that we that were more recent. Uh, we had the now this. I got actually for the past week. I I had two of them reported into me. One was a seven foot tall bat wing humanoid over uh, in Pilsen which was uh, actually seen on a, an overpass, which was at South Laughlin Street and West 16th Street, where this woman was visiting her boyfriend at night, and she encountered a seven-foot tall winged humanoid. I had talked to her, and then um, she, I had her send me a statement. She said she had just parked her car, See her boyfriend at the time in the Pilsen community. It was uh, October 2019. I parked almost two blocks from the building. Uh, it was really late, and I was walking past under the bridge, this bridge. Standing underneath was a seven-foot-tall humanoid with veiny bat-like wings. Uh, it faced towards the wall, not directly staring at me, but was just standing. Uh, she got very creeped out. Um, started walking to where she needed to be. Uh, but when she looked back, uh, she, you know, she saw it again. Uh, years later, she said she remembers seeing the creature uh, and decided to do some research. Turns out many people in Chicago, of course, you know, she just found out about it. And, you know, when I talked to her, she, she, she was very forthright about it. And she does still seem to be somewhat affected by it, which a lot of these witnesses have. Now, she don't; she doesn't live in Chicago anymore. Uh, she actually lives in Michigan. So uh, that was an interesting sighting. Uh, and, of course, we get these incidental sightings from, from a lot of witnesses. And, and the one I just received a few days after that was over in Calumet City. And in a, which is an area very near the Indiana and Illinois state line. And uh, it's an area where we've had a lot of sightings, uh, various sightings. This witness was driving into Calumet City, Illinois, from Hammond, Indiana, where she observed an unknown figure in front of her. The humanoid unfurled its wings and flew over her vehicle. Uh, she said it was January 14th of this year, 2023. She was on her way to work approximately 5.30 to 5.45 in the morning, and it was a light rain and dark. She was coming from Hammond, Indiana, heading west on 165th, which turns into 159th. I was between State Street and Wentworth Avenue in Calumet City, Illinois. So when I saw it, 
I was now in Illinois after passing State Street. I was in the left lane, and there was only one car in front of me in the right lane. This car was about six car lanes ahead of me. It's a wooded area, and I saw something alongside the car in front of me by the rear. Now, this thing must have been hanging on to the car or was flying. I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand what it was doing. Uh, she said she always watches for deer and raccoon and possums in that area. And uh, she said she looked harder and watched and thought it to herself that it was a deer and it was running fast. But then I realized there's no way it was a deer. It was much bigger. Uh, like I said, it was a light rain, dark, and had my wipers on. I started to speed up because I had no clue what it was at this point. So as I got closer, whatever it was, went directly behind the car in front of me and suddenly had this huge wingspan and went up and over my car. She said she talked about it for weeks, telling everyone uh, how it was very unsettling and and all I thought about you know, I thought about it ever since that morning. She says, I take the same route to work Monday through Saturday every day. And she thinks about it each time she goes through there. So, again, you know, this is an area where, you know, of course, but we've got many areas throughout the, the Chicago land area where these sightings are showing up. So, um, let's see here. We do, have, we do have another question, more of a statement from Vocal Moss. Vocal Moss, yeah. Uh, this is more a statement than a question. An entire community like Bensonville was uprooted due to the modernization of O'Hare Airport. Now, he's talking about why maybe they're showing up because we've had a lot of sightings in Rosemont, which is on the east side of the airport. And Bensonville is on the southwest side of the airport. We've had a lot of sightings there uh, just off of uh, the airport property. So maybe there is a connection there somehow. Kind of like you're you're disturbing their habitat, and now you're just seeing more of them. That could be. I mean, Bentonville has seen quite a lot of sightings. We've had um, remember last sight summer we had a rash of sightings coming out of Bentonville. Um, I we think had we've been, had eight sightings in Bentonville area altogether, mm-hmm. and some very close up sightings at that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. So yeah, it could be. I mean that. That um, I can speak from experience because I also do uh, Uber, and that that whole area around the airport is just uh, it's a mess. Um, they're putting <laughs> a, they're putting in a new expressway. They're 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 doing all sorts of modernization. It's construction on top of construction on top of construction, and a lot of this area that's been was previously forest preserve is now being torn up. Yeah. Um, to make way for this stuff. And a lot of sightings have come in from that area. Quite a lot of sightings have come in from that area. Construction workers and, and whatnot in that area seeing seeing things. Maybe we're disturbing something right there. So I, I you know, I, I you know, I, I, I didn't really think about that. You know, we have had a lot of sightings in these green areas, these preserve areas of particularly just people calling them humanoids, not necessarily having something with wings. Um, but there have been sightings. And, of course, Chicago is well known for all their green areas, their preserve areas. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, maybe the airport, you know, 
maybe the airport did disturb something when they even first put the airport in there. Yeah. I mean, it was an orchard for a while, for the longest yeah. time before it became an airport. And now they're even talking, they just had it on the news. They're talking about as part of the expansion of this new expressway, um, there was a massive, there was an airline uh, that crashed here, I believe in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really bad airline crash. He took, uh, lost an engine on the takeoff. But that area has been a, basically a forest preserve since the day that, since the day of that crash. The only thing that's there now is a, a Chicago Police Department uh, canine training facility. But behind that whole area where the plane actually landed um, and killed all those people, um, has been left basically undisturbed since that mm. accident. And now it's being torn up because this new expressway is coming through. So maybe that's something that could have been disturbing. That'd be a lot of people are, you know, saying that that's sacred ground. They should just leave it alone. And, you know, in memory of it, nothing's ever been built there. Uh, and now, now do you have this massive exp- expressway coming through? Um, maybe that's something that's, you know, got disturbed and it's manifesting itself this way. And he also had, they also dug up a, a uh, well, they moved a, a cemetery there too. There were two mm-hmm. cemeteries there. Um, and Rest Haven's still there. But it's interesting that a lot of the sightings that we have had on the property have been near that cemetery. Yeah. I think Rest Haven is going to be one of those where it's not going to go anywhere because of the, its location. Yeah, it's kind of out of the way, but it's wedged between two massive uh, terminals. Um, but even Tobias, who's been out there before, he can attest that you might be in one of the largest airports in the world and one of the busiest. But if you're out there and it's at night, you're you're basically alone. Um, there is nothing out there. It is it is very. Uh, that's where I had my first encounter with the unseen ones. It's there, and you yeah. are basically alone in that area. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is remarkably isolated. Is my like internet connection better now? Cause I noticed yes. there was yeah, some, it is. I feel so stupid. There was this weird thing where it was connecting to this extender that I have on like the other side of the house. And so like, I, yeah, I, I know. Right. And so, <laughs> I, so it's yeah. like connected to the actual like main internet and not like the, the wireless like extender that's rooms away. So it should be much, much better now. So sorry about that. But, That's okay. Uh, yeah. Hey, um, it happens to all of us, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no, but uh, uh, Manuel is is right about O'Hare in terms of some of the, the isolation. I mean, it really is like it's, it's, it's like its own small town. And like any small town, it's got little out of the way areas, um, you know, so sure, hundreds of thousands of people are going through there every day. But, you know, they're sticking to the the terminals, you know, if if, if it's not happening inside of the airport or, or on a runway, um, they would never see it. And, you know, speaking uh, about Rust Haven specifically, um, it is a weird, isolated little uh, cemetery back mm-hmm. in there, you know, and I. I've, I've, I've been there myself more than once and, um, you know, it's got a, it's got a real unusual vibe to it. Um, and, uh, I know we've, we've talked about this before too, in terms of, uh, uh, there being some unusual quality just to, to that specific area. And, um, and, and I believe in our previous conversations, we, we sort of related it to how you'll hear about people, 
uh, uh, having more paranormal uh, phenomena in their house during construction, right? So like they 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 live in a house uh, where they they think it might be haunted, and then uh, they're they're having construction done or, or or something similar, and all of a sudden that activity it it is heightened. You know, it's it's happening with uh, 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 more and more frequency, and uh, and and things seem to to ramp up. And so yeah, I mean you have to wonder. If there is some, you know, geographic connection, if there is something about that particular space, if uh, all of this recent construction might somehow be related. Um, the one thing that I, I will say about that, though, is um, it's difficult, I think, to really show even a, a, a strong correlation on, only because um, when compared to uh, other numbers, right? So if, if, if you look at like, say the 2017, 2018 stuff, right? There were a lot more sightings. And, and now, uh, regardless, you know, we're, we're, we're getting a, a handful every year, um, but it's not, it's not increasing. In, in fact, uh, sightings seem to be going down. Um, and so that makes me wonder, you know, if there is actually any any connection um and and uh, if there is what it what it might actually mean because i would expect then um to be uh receiving many many more sightings rather than than having them um you know sort of of, of go down in, in unless there was you know sort of um some initial uh uh you know onset you know some some uh like something that's just sort of kicked it off and then you know, yeah. uh, there was a huge spike, and then it sort of it, it it just sort of went down after after that. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting to to think about, and it is a very yeah. unusual sort of storied area. Yeah, it's it, it's something I never really thought about. But you know, of course, we hear people talk about O'Hare and um, the ghost sightings. People talk about. I, I I've talked to employees at O'Hare in the past. Um, Ghost sightings in the terminals and other areas. Someone had mentioned at the crash site there have been ghost sightings there. I mean, if they're in there disturbing that area, who knows what could pop up? You know, but, you know, you mentioned something, Tobias, about, um, you know, the sightings seem to be slowing down. Well, you know, we've had these wane period, waning periods before, and then all of a sudden it just it hits it. You know, we just start getting a whole bunch of sightings. Uh, maybe not as much as we did in, 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 in 18, in 2017, 2018. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, I, I personally believe this is something we're still going to be dealing with for a long time. I don't think there's really any end to it. And, you know, I, will this thing manifest into something bigger eventually? Who knows? I agree. Um, I mean, think about think about how some of these places have had trauma, so much trauma, and that it's actually scarred the land. Um, when they put in uh, some kind of construction or something, it's really caused all sorts of activity breakup. Um, I read a, a article not too long ago about um, talking about like battlegrounds, kind of like near you, along uh, where you have Gettysburg. I mean, when they're mm -hmm. putting in the visitor center or the road, I mean, I'm sure they were probably seeing all sorts of activity ramping up because that land, even to this day in 2023, is what, about 
150, 200 years from the battle, it mm -hmm. still bears the scars of that land. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they've been, they've been, uh, they've been, uh, refurbishing the, uh, little round top devil's den area now for about 18 months. It's still got a little bit going to do yet, but I, I did run into, and I mentioned this on the show before I, I did run into a construction worker or a, a, a worker that was been up on little round top at one of the, um, at the actual museum there in it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's an artifact museum basically, but the guy who runs it actually sells artifacts, but he was in there and I, you know, I heard him talking to the guy who owns the store mentioning that he he's been working up, you know, on the refurbishing of a little round top and he and I got to talking about it, and he was telling me they he he comes in there in the morning sometimes, and uh, stuff's being moved, boulders are being moved, lots of things are being moved. I mean, things change. Uh, they'll be there working, and some, a boulder will start running down the hill all of a sudden. So and, and it's just there has been a lot of activity since they've been up there working on it. So, yeah. Who knows? Right. Uh, well, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say too. I, I think if if you look at the the totality of the sightings, you know, throughout uh, time at this point, you know, the earliest sighting that I've I've received of, of a winged humanoid in that area uh, is from 1957 uh, mm -hmm. in Braidwood. Illinois. Now that is somewhat south of, of Chicago, but my focus has always been on everything surrounding Lake Michigan because it's, mm -hmm. it's never been just Chicago. Right. Um, and, and when you look at that, you know, we have sightings from uh, 1957, uh, 1969 in Indiana with Floyd Hancock, uh, 1971, uh, David Ramos um, at the, the North branch of, of the, the Chicago river. Um, you know, they're, they're relatively spread out and, and they go back a, a very long time and there's nothing to associate them with any, like anything happening today uh, other than the, the phenomenon itself, right? Like there was, uh, there was no construction necessarily happening uh, to tie uh, Braidwood to O'Hare, right? But the uh, description given by the the uh, witness Gerald is similar to what people are still reporting today, and so I, I think that when it comes to trying to to look for uh, for explanations that 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 sort of depend on uh, generalities, you know, like location, right? Um, we need to look at um, the overall trends rather than than trying to just uh, focus on 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 one limited space, right? Um, which just I know is frustrating because it makes everything even more mysterious yeah. than it, it 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 already was. But um, we also don't want to throw the baby out with the uh, the, the bathwater here and sort of forget about some of the other really interesting sightings that 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 we have just because they don't necessarily fit into any preconceived notion, right? Well, think of the of all the sightings that have been in this area. Even up by you, Tobias, with um, dating back to the Native Americans, the Thunderbird sightings, you know, that have been reported. These things have been going on for hundreds of years. I mean, you can only imagine if you could talk to somebody from back then how many sightings he'd probably give you. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, the indigenous people did. There, there has been a lot of different uh, wing being sightings. I mean, you know, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, that whole upper Midwest area is well known for wing beings, uh, unexplained wing beings, large thunderbirds, pterosaur. We're getting the pterosaur sightings left and right here, here and there. Um, George Morgan had any sightings in Europe. You know, we get very few. I mean, I have had a few. Uh, I had a couple in London along the Thames, but nothing really significant as far as going into Europe. Uh, you know, this is, not, this is kind of off subject, but, you know, with this war going on in your, Ukraine, I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten more sightings of phenomena because of that, too. You know, uh, maybe we will eventually. But, you know, during World War II, there was a lot of sightings, of course, the Foo Fighters and a lot of weird stuff uh, on battlefields, even in World War I. Um, but we're, we're not hearing a whole lot coming out of uh, Ukraine. There have been a, a handful of, of interesting UFO reports but you know i i would suspect like in in any active conflict area like even even world war ii it wasn't until after the actual war that exactly that uh, people started talking about uh foo fighters publicly and so who knows um you know not to distract from the actual issue of course because there are a lot of people suffering in that area right now and that that needs to be our our uh, focus but yeah i mean who's who's to say that um you know after the the conflict itself is resolved that, uh, that, that there won't be more, uh, reports coming from, from people who were, uh, in that, uh, area who had seen, you know, something like a, a, a UFO or, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it may eventually, some things may come up eventually. I mean, you uh, talk about Ukraine. I mean, you got to think about the fact that you have, um, you know, the blackbird of, each, of Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. multiple sightings before the Chernobyl accident seen there um Europe and that's only that's really the only harbinger related type of wing human wing being sighting that that can actually be you know have some evidence because it was reported before that mm -hmm. uh, everything else has kind of been after the fact even if you talk about the silver bridge even um, Fukushima. Um, yeah, Fukushima. Yeah. You know, you've had all those, uh, the, the sighting at 9-11, you had sighting at the, in Minneapolis during the bridge collapse. All those have been after the fact. Yeah. Uh, I believe the, the, um, the sighting of the, um, of the Blackbird Chernobyl was happening, what, a year or so before? The uh, the actual event? It was. It, it may have been. I, I, the, the witnesses, the statements that I have seen, and of course that was Soviet at the time, so you, you're only going to get so, so much out of it, but probably up to three weeks previous to the accident. And of course, you know, the Soviets were pretty tight-lipped about Chernobyl anyway. Uh, they weren't putting a whole lot out. And that whole story, you know, th that didn't really get out until later as well. So, um, but apparently there were actual reports that were either filed with the, um, 
the town that was near there, whatever the name of that town was, or, or at the plant. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there were even sightings there in Pritiat, I mean, of the, yeah. of this thing before the event. But, you know, yeah. Europe, you also have things like, you know, the, the Almana Cornwall. Uh, those have right. been sightings. There's some in Germany, uh, but they're not as few, not as numerous as what you see here in the United States and North America. You know, cryptids in general are just, you know, you, you, you think about cryptids, you think about North America. You don't really think about, of course, you know, Great Britain has had a lot of different sightings. But when you're talking about in, in Europe, in Asia, all together, and, you know, it, it doesn't really hold a hold a match to what, you know, with the United States and, and in North America, Canada. Um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe us people here in North America just got better imaginations. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. Well, I think we're pretty well out of questions now. So guys, why don't you, uh, you know, if you have anything else to add at the end here, uh, go ahead and do so now. Go ahead, uh, Manuel. Well, I mean, you UFO Clearing House is still up and running. Um, I've had to take some time to uh, to actually slow down, and I'm building Paranormal One, which is it's going to be the new iteration. But uh, between work and family, it's been a little kind of put on the back burners. But you can still find it at UFOClearinghouse.com. Um, I also have the Facebook site, the Twitter site. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we post um, as often as we can, um, and we do still take, um, you know, sightings, UFO sightings. We still take abduction sightings, and we still take, uh, you know, cryptid sightings as well. And Tobias. Oh, sure. So uh, if you're interested in keeping up with uh, what I'm doing, of course, you can find me through the Singular Fortean Society. Uh, the website for that is singularfortean.com or otherwise follow uh, the Singular Fortean Society on social media. I believe we're represented basically on any social media platform that you can think of. And it's always going to be at Singular Fortean. I do have a couple of appearances coming up later this year that should be uh Pretty interesting. I'll be at the uh, the Great Lakes Paranormal Conference in Glen Glen Beulah, Wisconsin, in September, and then I will also be speaking at Strange Realities in Nashville, Tennessee, and that will be in early November. So definitely check those out if you get a chance. Well, very good. And guys, thanks for coming on tonight, joining me, uh, and catching up on these sightings and reports, uh, folks. We're gonna have more coming. Believe me. Um, there were some irons in the fire, and we'll, uh, we will definitely be coming up with some more information. And, uh, and of course, this, this Friday night um, on the, the uh, Chicago Mothman, O'Hara Mothman, O'Hara Batman series, uh, I'm going to start talking about some of the sightings and how they started uh, happening and being uh, reported out of O'Hara. So I'll probably do at least one or two more of those before that ends, and then we'll go into some regular uh, personal reports. So, uh, guys, I, I appreciate you coming on tonight. And, uh, again, we'll be talking with the folks soon uh, and catching up on these uh, reports. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Always a pleasure. Okay. I'll see you all soon.
So, folks, uh, thanks. You know, thanks each of all you coming on and chatting and watching tonight. Um, I wanted to get this in before some some other things happen in the next several weeks. And uh, of course, I you know you do have been following me with the uh, the personal reports when I've been talking about what's been going on in and around Chicago with these sightings. So, uh, but again, if uh, you have a sighting or encounter report that you'd like to be considered for the personal report show, or even Fams and Monsters, feel free to forward to my email at lonstricklerfamsandmonsters.com. So uh, please like, subscribe, and share. And until we meet again, stay healthy, and I will see you Friday night. Thanks.